Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we have a special guest, Danny Innie from the Course Builders Laboratory. He's also the founder of Miracy and has written an excellent book called Teach and Grow Rich. If you're an online course entrepreneur, if you're a teacher, if you're an entrepreneur, we're bringing you a really special guest today with Danny Innie. Today, we're going to get into some of the lifestyle pieces and and components that come with developing your online course or your education project. And we're going to get into how to kind of stay true to your values and how those can drive you and and help you get through the process of of getting up and going. But first, Danny, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, it is absolutely a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, I kind of reson- resonate a lot with your story. We're both, uh, we've both got young kids at home. We both care a lot about, you know, certain values or ways we want to be in the world with, uh, you know, how we live, the types of people we want to surround ourselves with, the type of customers we want to work with. I've noticed that's a similarity between us and that we're very intentional about those things. Mm-hmm. But, so I kind of wanted to start off and focus on, uh, this values piece, like how do you see values? And I know it's so important to you because your company name is Miracy. So maybe start with telling people what Miracy is and then let's transition that into how you approach values in your life and business. Yeah, absolutely. So Miracy is a coined name, which means we made it up. But uh, if you look at the root, Mira in Latin at languages means either to see or to wonder at. And to see obviously is to see. So it's kind of a play on wondering at what we could see at what might be possible um and yeah i mean values we all have values and we sometimes feel like we can't have them expressed and lived out in our professional lives right it's like this is how i come home and behave the way i would like my kids to see me behave when it's possible and i I think it should be all the time i think it should be a part of your work. We were talking before we hit record, um, the kind of the role that work plays for a lot of people in that it is facilitative, right? You do your work to make money so that you can pay your bills and then you can, you know, maybe you donate some money to charity. Maybe you volunteer on the weekends, but why not create work that by its work product, by the outcomes and by the process of the way you do it is that impact is that expression of who, you want your best self to be. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to intentionality. And so I think that's where it all starts. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Focusing on values. And, and I mean, in my experience, it's, it's really exhausting. And I see it around in other people in the world when you're doing something and it's not like resonating at a values level. Um, it's, it's just really exhausting. Whereas when you, you're really in your values and working with the people you like to work with and that sort of thing, the exact opposite thing happens, which is more energy starts building. You wake up excited, uh, you know, things like, things like that. So, well, there's this, this the people listening here. There's a lot of online course creators out there. There's a lot of teachers who are trying to figure out this whole online thing. There's entrepreneurs out there and all kinds of different businesses that are looking to incorporate online education, either as, a 
uh, a product in and of itself or as an add-on to train customers or to help attract new customers. Um, and they want to they wanna know like how to tra- stay true to their values. How do you go about it? I mean, how do you, it's, it's, it can be a struggle at first when you're developing your entrepreneurial project to kind of have that double life of, okay, what if I'm starting and I'm a little stuck I don't like my job or uh, I want to be home more around my kids and my my partner. I want more location freedom. Like how do I begin to start to tip the scales over into bringing more values into my work or my side hustle? Like what what do I do? What's the starting point? Um, It's a great question. It's a hard one to answer because you kind of just start by doing it. Um, You know, big change doesn't happen all at once. You know, we we just celebrated the new year and, you know, this is the time of New Year's resolutions, which are promptly followed by Blue Monday, which is the second Monday of the month, which is when people are like, oh, it turns out I haven't stuck with any of my resolutions. It's because a lot of resolutions are about big change. This year, I will go to the gym every day and I will be in bed by 7 p.m. and I will only eat vegetables and never drink alcohol and spend four hours reading to my kids every day. And it's like... You know, first of all, the math doesn't work out. There are only so many hours in the day, but changing so much behavior all at once is hard. So I would kind of look at, well, what is one small thing that you can change and stick with it for a month and then add another small thing that you can change and kind of iterate towards something better. You know, your goal isn't to you know, magically just change how life is today because that's not how these things work. It's about iterating so that a year from now, life looks a whole lot better. That's awesome. So lots of little wins along the way. And look at you snapping into teacher mode. Um, (laughs) One of the big things that I've learned from your material is that uh, the difference between being a publisher and being into education. And in your words, with with education, the, the teacher and the learner share some responsibility in the outcomes. And you talk a lot about in your book, Teaching Grow Rich, which is a fantastic read, uh, about the downward pressure on pricing in terms of information products, whether that's books or online courses, membership sites, or whatever, that don't have that more robust educational component, which includes a lot of action. But like you mentioned, it starts with small action. Mm -hmm. And um, you also talk about agile, bringing in agile development type, you know, that type of thing where it's an iterative process, which you're talking about right there. Start small uh, and just start taking action in the, in the right direction. As cliche as it sounds, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a, a, a single step, but it, not necessarily with just reading a book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's really interesting. Um, because, you know, we're, we're, we live in this world of courses, building and selling courses, teaching people how to do it. And it's starting to become a lot more mainstream. I don't mean like within the world of online course creators. I'm talking about the world at large. Like if you look at a company like Masterclass, for example, you know, it's bringing courses by Aaron Sorkin on screenwriting, Dustin Hoffman on acting, like stuff like that. That's amazing. It's going mainstream. And if you look at, you know, you would expect that, this is the top of the line information. And of course there is like a hundred bucks because it's purely information because, you know, when I take Aaron Sorkin's screenwriting class, 
I have no connection with Aaron Sorkin. It's not like he's responsible for my success. He's not reviewing my scripts or anything. Um, it's just information, and that's great, and that has its purpose. But what that does is, on the one hand, it opens the market. It opens people's awareness that, oh, I can take courses from experts and not universities, which is a huge thing. And then they come and they're like, but where's the deep transformation? I need someone to supply that. And that's where the people who are watching this come into the picture. That's awesome. Yeah. And we, we talk about this a lot. Uh, we call it, it has different names, but one of the strategies we talk about is scaling the human touch with robotics, but there's only so much that you can do in terms of automation. And you also wisely touch on this issue in the book, uh, teaching grow rich about how, like, how do you, what advice do you have for somebody who's trying to scale that transformation, that shared responsibility in the outcomes? Um, like what, what are the beginning stages of that without getting locked into the one-on-one is the only way. And I, and, a, and an obvious one that we recommend a lot is having, you know, weekly or monthly office hours where you can have a one-to-many component and the conversation can be adaptive to the crowd, not just, you know, preaching to the crowd or whatever, but how else can somebody uh, facilitate transformation and start to try to scale that? So that, that is a great question. And there is a strategic answer and there's a tactical answer, right? The tactical answer, you know, I can talk about how, you know, yes, you can do office hours. Um, I have coaches that work for me that support our students um, and we support them in a variety of ways, right? There, there's some one-on-one interaction, some office hours, some, a variety of these different setups. Um, how you choose what you will do, it, it comes down to how you conceptualize scalability, right? A lot of people think about scalability as if they're a software company, right? A thousand more users, no big deal, right? Doesn't require any additional anything. But courses are not software, right? You're not a software company. That doesn't mean it doesn't scale. It just means it isn't going to scale like a software company. I think a much better analog is a company like Zappos, right? Great human component, great direct personal touch. And clearly they operate well at scale. You don't get acquired for billions of dollars if you're not operating at scale. What it comes down to is not about minimizing the level of support provided, but being able to provide the level of support that's really required in a way that is cost effective. Cost effective meaning profitable on a per transaction basis. So I know that for the number of students that I need, you know, X number of coaches for, that dynamic works out so that I can make enough money to pay my coaches and still have a profit. And that means that if I need twice as many coaches because I have twice as many students, that works. So you figure out like how what is the support people really need and how can I deliver that in a way that's cost effective? And as your student base scales, so does your support. That's awesome. And just to tie that back into meaning and values, we had an earlier podcast episode with somebody named Peter Felanius, and he talked about building online learning environments on top of uh, what he calls outlier learning, which is built on top of uh, what some, some social science that came out about self-determination theory and in Peter's view to create true meaning and transformation both in yourself and in a learning environment, you need three components, which are uh, 
team or community. You need that social interaction. And that's a, that's an interesting thing that can scale some on its own. Like in some ways, if you have a community environment, people can help each other and that can scale a little bit uh, by not doing it alone and having other tutors like you're talking about is a great way to uh, responsibly scale and not just let support get worse and worse over time. Uh, another, another thing is just creating an environment of um, rapid learning where you get lots of little wins. And like you mentioned, the iterative process, it's all about action. It's all about, it's all about doing. So, um, and, and, uh, you know, when people are, have activities to do, uh, those are things that can scale. They can go out into the world and do those things and, uh, and and grow in that way. And then the other is just uh, leadership, which is meaning the opportunity for, people to kind of lead their own learning journey and take on responsibility for teachers and tutors to be responsible and really foster a community of leadership. And these are things that can grow, but like you said, it's not uh, infinitely scalable. Um, that's that's it's, it's not infinitely scalable without the resources dedicated to it scaling as well. Yeah. Scaling, scaling responsibly. <laughs> that, that's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Well, as people get going, I've seen this working with a lot of education entrepreneurs and online course creators. Uh, sometimes people get stuck or they, they kind of lose, uh, I don't want to say motivation because I know they care and they're motivated, but whether it's some kind of uh, imposter syndrome, fear of success, getting bogged down in the technical tools required, focusing on technology when they should be building community or curriculum. Um, there's all these like stumbling blocks. It's almost like a, a forest you're navigating through at night to, uh, to try to get to the other side of launching a, a truly great platform. Um, but one of the things that I think really helps motivate people, especially if they're starting from a point where they're under-optimized, they're away from their family, they, they're not fulfilled at their work, um, is to know like a little bit about the light on the other side of what life can be like as an online course creator. And I know I mentioned with you before this call, uh, one of the things that I've been able to do is just spend a lot of time around my kids. It's, it's been an important thing to me from before they were born, and it was something I intentionally planned for and built a career around. Uh, but now I get to read those benefits. I just spent uh, a better part of a year traveling with my family around the United States and visiting national parks and things like that while still able to run an online course and software business. But can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you got into all this and help inspire people who are, you know, if they're not stuck now, they will at some point hit some obstacles and they need to dig mm -hmm. in and keep going? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I've definitely been through my fair share of challenges. You know, my the last attempt I, did, I made at building a big company kind of imploded on me, and I walked away from that with about a quarter of a million dollars in personal debt. Um, and, you know, so you, you have to do something. So I started a new business because I had bills to pay, and I started a consulting practice. And I found that there were people that needed the kind of service that I was providing but didn't have the resources to afford it. So I was like, well, what if, what if I create a course that would teach some of them some of that stuff? And it wasn't all at once and it wasn't overnight, but 
kind of building that business and building that practice in such a way that was designed to create the lifestyle that I care about. So, um, you know, very focused on building an online audience, very focused on building work that I can do from anywhere. Not that I, not that I like to travel all that much. Um, I actually like staying home. Um, but work that you can do from anywhere means work you don't have to drive into an office or visit clients for, right? Because you stay, you're working in my case from home or you know, an office that's across the backyard. Um, a lot of it just comes down to, like this is actually something that you know, I've always been very adamant about, like refusing to commute. Yeah. Um, spending half an hour, an hour in traffic every day. It's like, that's just not a good use of time. Um, and when you can avoid that, you, you appear to be so much more productive because you essentially have an extra hour or two than everyone else. Um, and you know, if, if someone watching this, you have to drive through traffic, that's a shame. And that's, that doesn't mean you can't be successful, but you want to think about some people don't mind it. Some people love driving and listening to audiobooks. What are the things that would be the biggest wins for you and how can you rearrange your life to make it happen? Maybe you can negotiate to work from home one day a week. Maybe you can, like how much of an income would you have to supplement? How much would you have to pare down your expenses to allow you to make that leap and start investing more, growing more, right? You want to think about how you can take those first steps. But the first step to that is, you know, you you took a year and you traveled around the US in an RV with your kids. Um, I make a point of, you know, being present with my children as much as I can. I, I like working um, close to home. I like that I work with my wife, who's my business partner. Um, the first step to that is having a clear picture on what that what that perfect day lifestyle actually is for you. I think the, the gap for a lot of people is they don't even really know. Um, and the way they define their perfect day is not based on what they want, but based on what they don't want. And so you end up with a lot of very adolescent you know, I want to travel the world and sit my ties on the beach and have my own private island. And it's not really what they want. It's just the opposite of what they have now. And so they're kind of describing their dream vacation rather than, than their dream life. And, you know, vacations are great, but you ideally want to design a life that you don't urgently need a vacation from. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. The, um, the concept of permanent retirement, uh, you know, sitting on a beach isn't, it's cool, but it's not really sustainable. Like you get bored, you, you want to have fulfilling work. Um, and like you mentioned, I think, which is another sometimes common misconception is that once you achieve it, it doesn't mean you have to like give away all your, your stuff, become a minimalist and travel the world, uh, hopping from Airbnb to Airbnb with your family. You may just like to further stay at home and get more stuff and, you know, visit with your friends and family that you already have. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what that comes down to is just getting really brutally honest with yourself about the lifestyle that, um, you know, is good for you, which is going to be totally different than for the next person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what are some struggles along the way that you had to overcome as you started to, you know, find some success teaching others? Like, how did you, what are some stumbling blocks? Did it affect your 
relationship or did you get like too obsessed with it sometimes and since the internet never turns off did you did you have issues with boundaries or um did you uh you know have something working and then all of a sudden it stopped working like where what what did you struggle with and what what kept you going during the hard times and all of those things happened from time to time, right? You know, things that you thought were going to work didn't work. Things that did work stopped working. Um, you find that your your investment of time or energy or resources is not always ideal. You make bets that turn out to have been bad bets to make. Um, all of those things are going to happen. And I, I don't think it's about avoiding those things. I think it's about recognizing them for what they are when they do happen, which is not signs that you're not on the right track, not signs that you should quit or anything like that, but just you know, cues for you to course correct, cues for you to adjust. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, a big part of your job is plan B, right? Mm -hmm. Plan A didn't work. Now it's your job. Come up with plan B. And when something breaks, when something doesn't happen the way you want it to, you can see that as, oh my God, the universe is telling me I shouldn't be doing this. Or, you know, the universe is sending up the bat signal and I'm Batman, right? This is, this is the sign for me to step up and do my job because, you know, when it's business as usual, anyone can do it. And that doesn't mean your job is easy, but if you want to create a great success and be well rewarded for it, well, you know, if it was easy, anyone could do it but this is a job for you to do. And that's, that's really cool. There's a quote out of um, the last lecture that I really like. He says that the brick walls in your path, they're not there to keep you out. They're there to keep everyone else out and to give you a chance to prove how much you want it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, what, let's talk a little bit more about um, the Course Builders Laboratory and what makes it different in the space. Because you... Um, you know, you really focus in on the difference between being an information publisher, which is getting downward pressure on pricing and demand and things like that, versus really creating transformative educational opportunities. And like you're just talking about, in terms of the, the obstacles in the way, part of real learning is, you know, you fall down sometimes. And if you're the uh -huh. teacher, the way I think yeah. of it as a parent is like, Oh, and as a leader in business is it's okay. And it's actually part of the process to let people make mistakes. I just want to make sure I, I protect people from making unrecoverable mistakes. <laughs> mm -hmm. but could and you support talk? them in getting back up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so here's how I see the course builders lab as being different from a lot of the, I will teach you how to build and sell a course programs out there. Um, first of all, the support. Every student in our program gets a dedicated coach on our team. And that doesn't mean, you know, that you can send a question and goes to a help desk in India. It's no, it's a coach that is your coach that knows what you're doing in your business will give you actual feedback on what you're trying to create because we found that's what it takes for people to be successful. We've also, you know, rebuilt and iterated this course a number of times as we work with more and more students. And because of that, there's a track record. Right When you um, look at a lot of these courses, look at their sales page, you'll typically find you know five or 10, maybe 15 case studies or testimonials. And if you read them closely, you're like, I don't think this person actually took the course. I think they kind of worked privately with the course creator or their buddies with them or something. But 
what is there that can give me confidence that a regular person like me will be successful? You know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people go through this program and achieve great success. Um, and we guarantee results. Again, unlike a lot of people in the industry, you know, if you join this program, put in the time, do the work, you will launch your course successfully. If you don't, we will help you create a plan to get back on track. If you execute that plan and you still don't launch your course successfully, we'll give you double your money back because clearly it didn't work. We've only had to fulfill on that guarantee, I think three or four times out of thousands and thousands of students. The process works for the people who, who work it and the infrastructure is there to support the people who want to be successful. That's really awesome. Well, what? <clears throat> I, let's look at an issue in terms of the journey, in terms of getting uh, to that aspirational lifestyle that sure. the listener is aspiring to. Uh, I think I've heard, and it might have been quoted from a sociological experiment, where after you're making somewhere around $70,000, money doesn't necessarily make you happier um, or whatever. That may or may not be true, but let's say that. Uh, <clears throat> In terms of timeline, like in your experience and working with lots of people, if they're starting kind of in the side hustle phase, and let's assume we're trying to get to that 70K US dollar approximate mark, and then beyond, like, what do you think is a reasonable expectation? Obviously, overnight is not <laughs> how it works at all. But, like, what in the journeys that you've seen from kind of zero to hero? How does it play out over time? Um, typical, and you know, obviously there's a lot of variation, but kind of the transition to full time, the part where you're making enough money from, from this endeavor that it can replace a full-time income, that happens sometime in year two, right? It can be sooner, it can be in the first year, it can be later if you're, you know, I mean, it can take as an infinite amount of time if you're not doing anything, but... <laughs> Typical to be earning enough money for you to replace your income um, and go full time usually happens in year two. That's really cool. And then what, what do you see is, you know, after kind of replacing your income to really doing well, like what differentiates the people who, you know, they're inspiring to like, okay, I made it. I escaped or my job or I replaced my income and I'm doing my own thing. I'm in alignment with my values. Awesome. Uh, how are people, do some people just stay there and then some people like, or be like, all right, let's see how far we can go and see how, how. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It'll, it'll really get into two camps and it's really, it comes down to what your ambitions are, right? Something that I've learned, um, you know, we did, uh, we just closed the year just under $4 million last year. Um, something that I've learned over the last few years is that it's a lot of work to grow a business it's not a lot of work to keep a business more or less the same size that it's at. So any given year, you know, and, and I face this choice every year. It's like, you know, do I want, I could probably work four months out of the coming year and we'll do, you know, in the range of $4 million again, or I can put in all the hours I'm going to put in because I see us growing a lot bigger, right? Everyone decides for themselves, like at what point are they like, you know what? This is as big as I want to go. I'm, I'm happy with this. I want to invest my energies elsewhere versus this is where I want to invest my energies because this is what I'm excited about. This is the impact I care about making. This is how I get to work with the people that I enjoy working with. 
Um, but it really comes down to ambitions and, and you know, how, how much do you want to push to grow? That's awesome. And I just want to restate that point because it's so good, which is that what Danny said is that uh, to grow a business is really hard. It's a lot of work to, to maintain it is not that much work, you know, to what if you want to maintain and do a holding pattern. And one of the beautiful things about being an education entrepreneur is that you really get to embody the core uh, purpose or role of the entrepreneur, which is creating value. And in this case, we're transforming people's lives through processes, through support, through training. And uh, your platform can do that for somebody and maybe then it ripples out and affects another person. You have such an opportunity to really send out those ripples uh, of you know positive change or beneficial impact out in the world through online education. And really, you know, if uh, entrepreneurs already successful, whether they're an education entrepreneur or not, and they're at the highest levels, you know, and they're just killing it, living large and stuff like that. Um, it, it's easy to think that, that that can happen fast, but it does take time. It does take a lot of work. And, um, you know, just really focusing on that value creation and transformation is is really what it's all about and and helping people get results not just knowledge that's one of the one of the key things out there so i wanted to ask you another question just based on your experience if people are really you know wanting to pursue their values and let, you know have a working life and helping others in alignment with their values and through their trainings what at what point let's say on that timeline of two years to, to replace what I was doing before, how much of that before I, I need team members? Like at what point does the one person show fall away? Um, it depends a lot on how much you want to go and how far you want to go. Um, yeah, it depends. I mean, you can certainly get to the point of quitting your job, for example, on your own. Doesn't mean you'll want to, you might not. Um, you're definitely not going to grow much past, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year um, working on your own just because, you know, there's, there's more that goes into it. Um, but again, it, it depends a lot on your ambitions. Like I started building a team early because I like working with people. I like that, you know, we're stronger together than, than I would be on my own. Yeah. I think uh, I've heard that, the you know there's a lot of glamorization of the solopreneur out there mm -hmm. but maybe that just comes from an unhealthy thing in society where um, people don't like the work environment that they currently work in so they think they mm -hmm. want to be alone but that's actually it's actually really cool to work with great people doing amazing things who have similar values absolutely it's, it's the same kind of you know positioning the win scenario against your current scenario so if you're working with people you hate then it's like, I don't want to have a boss. I don't want to have employees. I don't want to have anyone at all. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, why not just have better people <laughs> yeah. and work with them in a better way? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, as we talk about the aspirational lifestyle and you're thinking about the, um, the hammock with the laptop on the beach, uh, you know, being alone on the beach with everything fully automated and no relationships, uh, you know, working relationships around you, 
it may not be what you want. So spend a lot of time really thinking about that. And um, for a lot of people I see, uh, you know, just thinking back to, to childhood is a good way to kind of rediscover like where things started to change or where, you know, re responsibility perhaps overtook alignment with values and that kind of thing. So, well, well, Danny, where can people find out more about what you've got going on? Um, I highly recommend everybody listening, check out the teach and grow rich book and Danny, anything Danny's doing, you know, whether he's launching something or just putting out content, it is incredible. It's deep. It's not topical. Um, it's based on like real world results and case studies. And it's, it's just so such high quality and refreshing that uh, I just want to acknowledge you for that and, um, and encourage the listener to put, put Danny on the short list of, of people to watch, people to follow, and people to learn from. But where can people go to find out more? Chris, thank you. You're, you're very kind. Um, best place to find uh, Teach and Grow Rich is Amazon because, you know, that's where people buy books. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, my website for my company is Miracy, M-I-R-A-S-E-E.com. And uh, we periodically open the Course Builders Laboratory to new students. And uh, if you're interested in that at a time when we're doing that, then I would love to have you join us. And uh, Chris, you're going to be sharing a little bit of information about that as well. So everyone can watch their inboxes. And, and if you're watching this video, then you'll hear from Chris when that happens. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Danny. And to you out there listening, I just want to encourage you to spend a little time reflecting on your values, spend a little bit of time uh, thinking about your ideal future kind of in great detail and let that guide you and motivate you as you make the transition to becoming an education entrepreneur. Mm, absolutely. Thank you again for having me, Chris. This has been awesome. Thanks, Danny.